Hello, and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Jackson Anatomy podcast. I have my first guest. Um, I Her name is Elsie Brown. I found her on TikTok. She posts intuitive readings. Um, I just, I love her content. And you, I booked a session with her uh, last Friday. And we just really vibed somehow within the reading podcast came up. And I was like, hey, I have a podcast. I'm getting it started want to be on mine but it just it just came up so she's my first guest so this is my first um interview podcast and we just talk about the chakras that was kind of our grounding point in the chakras but conversation just kind of went everywhere but it was just I really really enjoyed talking to her today um so without further ado here's the podcast okay so you have a very unique energy and connection with spirit and I just kind of wanted to know like when you started developing that how you developed it like what's your what's been your spiritual journey I guess so far yeah so I did not know that I had any connection to spirit I looking back on it now I can see little twinges and sort of ways that I experienced the world that were very different from other people. Um, But I feel very much like everybody in my life tried to encourage me to not be spiritual and to not experience the world in a spiritual way. And so I was like, great, I will experience the world in an intellectual way. And it turns out that that's not at all my strength. My strength is very emotional and intuitive. And I think it's very funny that I led most of my life up until now in a logical way. Oh, we're going to read books. We're going to be very logical. And uh, I became involved with spirituality when I was about 25. That's when I started developing my spirituality. Um, and it really came through recovery. So um, I've been in recovery for from addiction for 12 years. And um, in addiction recovery, they encouraged me to develop my spirituality and so um that's been a long road but as far as my experience with spirit like getting to know spirit that's only been uh in the last two years or so where I have direct communication and I listen to my intuition and now that I look back on my life, I was like, oh, I always had this strong communication. I would be in the house alone and there would be some spirits around me. Like they would be making sounds and moving around and I did not like it. Very scary. Uh, and there is always a piece of my experience that is a little bit extrasensory. Like there's always a little bit of a clairsentient experience going on that's in the background. and. I I had a, a partner who had that even more than me and had to really, really ignore it. In fact, he would tell me stories about growing up and when he would be angry, like things would fly off the wall. Like he could <laughs> do that with his mind by accident. And I was like, that's some crazy spiritual power. And uh, I don't know, the way that I see it now is like, this is very natural for me. This is a very natural connection. And I have just reclaimed it if that makes sense. No, yeah, I understand that. Um, I feel like kind of when I was a kid, I was much more in tune with spirituality and my intuition. And I didn't really doubt myself. I didn't have all the mental 
gambles, if you will. And then I really kind of, I mean, the same thing. I was always very logical. You know, I was really good at school, very like, this is the path I should follow to achieve these things, even though looking back now, I don't even think any of that is what I even wanted, you know? And it's really come to show now where I'm just at this weird crossroads, like ever since I turned 30 last year. And I just, this, I, you know, I have a master's degree. I have this job. I have all this stuff. That's like what you're supposed to have. And I'm so unhappy with all of it. Mm -hmm. It's like, damn it. They told us this was going to make us happy. And I'm so glad that you got there and that you recognize that it's not going to make you happy. The same thing happened to me. Like, okay, I have the money I was supposed to have. I have the notoriety I was supposed to have. Nope, that's not the answer. Okay, now the rest of my life can begin. Yeah, and I, especially when I was a kid, I was really, I've always been creative. I like to draw. I like to just express myself in all these creative ways and then just yeah as I went through high school and college I really really just suppressed that and put that on the back burner and you know I was starting to make videos for my class the other day and I've been like editing video on iMovie and all of this stuff and it's just it's so fun I love it so much and I yesterday I was in like such flow I actually pushed myself almost into burnout because I like didn't eat I was just like in it for hours and I was just it was so fun. And I took a um, video editing class in high school because it was required for, you know, like the art, whatever they make you do. And I had so much fun with that in high school. And that's just not anything that I've ever pictured myself doing. You know, I've always been like, oh, no, I like science and I like I want to be in healthcare and this and that. And I don't I mean, I want to merge the two. Like I want to use the knowledge that I have in healthcare, but in this creative way to help people to better understand their bodies and just better understand themselves really and come back into who you are. I so relate to that, like wanting to ride that wave of motivation because it's so, it can be really elusive for me. Like, oh my God, I'm enjoying video editing. I'm going to enjoy it for six hours and I'm not going to eat because I don't want to break up that time of like that I got in flow. I'm afraid that I'm not going to get back into it. And yeah, that is such a, a neurodiverse thing. I don't think neurotypical people experience that as much. Maybe they do, but I don't hear them reporting that, that like they're not eating because they're doing a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you absolutely will uh, like mix those two things together in such a cool way. It reminds me of your art too, that you have around you that like you mix um almost like mixed media or like mixing up ideas and it's like such a creative process and science is really missing intuition it's really missing the intuitive divine feminine side of life and I think the people who are bringing that in are just like heroes yeah I definitely and I know I have a really hard time with being seen in that regard like I really tend to hide my spiritual side I really hide my this whole other part of me like the part of me that's into astrology that's into spirit that's into listening to your intuition on all of these more like woo woo things if you will I really hide that from people especially in where I work because I think they're going to judge me or I think they won't get it and that's I think one of my greatest gifts is all of that stuff and my ability to incorporate both of them And it's been a whole process through 
trying to create this business and all this, you know, unlearning and everything is like letting myself be seen in that way. It is so hard to put ourselves out there too. I was dealing with this yesterday. Um, I've always had this imposter syndrome that comes in really bad when I'm doing something that's really meaningful for me. And I don't know if you have a piece of this where almost doing your sciency work and doing your, you're a pathologist assistant, right? Yeah. 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 Doing pathologist assistant work. Like it's not that important to your identity. Like it's this external thing to you. And um, for me, the same thing with my marketing work, it's like, oh, this is meaningless to me. So of course I can just perform. Um, but doing my spiritual work sometimes, especially like spiritual podcasting or spiritual writing, I'm like, shit, I cannot let people see this. It's so important to me. I can't um, be like not recognized for this because it's so important you know I'm afraid that people aren't going to like it and it's like I'm putting myself out there and it's funny because I don't even experience that in real time but what I do experience is like a bunch of self-sabotage and not doing it and like avoiding it I'm like why am I avoiding this it's really I'm really passionate about it so yeah there's it's crazy there's all kinds of like stuff that we get mixed up in our subconscious and um yeah in a way doing unmeaningful work is easier although it's like a drain on your soul energy it's like you said it shows up as self-sabotage it shows up as me not starting the business not starting the class not starting this because it's like oh so many people are gonna see me being me and it's so terrifying <laughs> yeah not only not only is medical so logical but it, it's also really patriarchal and yeah. for whatever reason you were bringing that up, it made me think of like how hard it is for women to get good, good medical treatment because we go in and like we are our emotional selves. Not to say that women are more emotional than men. I don't believe it, um, but we may present a little bit more emotionally and and they're like, oh, you're being emotional. So we're not going to give you care. It's very weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a, a weird aside, but um, I'm curious how like, you started being interested in um like the chakras and um the so one thing that i really like is bioenergetics i know almost nothing about it but whenever someone is talking and they're saying something really amazing they usually uh like talk about bioenergetics so i'm like ooh that seems like really good stuff i don't know anything about it but yeah i i'm more interested in reiki now but i wouldn't consider like myself a reiki practitioner or anything that is something I do want to get into because, um, so really when I was in grad school, I, I pushed myself to the brink of just complete and utter burnout to the point of not existing. Like I, I mean, I just recently have learned that I have ADHD and possibly I'm on the autistic spectrum. And so I didn't know any of that about myself and here I am like trying to force and hustle myself into this other way of being that's just like completely not compatible with how I am and then I also had been eating a vegan diet for two years and so I became severely iron deficient anemic and it was it's like really vague the symptoms of being anemic you know it's just like I'm really tired and I can't mm. think and I just the uh, worry, your like crazy thoughts just got exemplified. It's basically like you're kind of 
dying, but at a really slow rate because you just don't mm. have enough oxygen essentially. Wow. So you can't function properly. But it's not anything so extreme that, you know, you would go seek immediate medical care. But being iron deficient anemic and then being in that like such a purely so stressed out state, I was so out of whack. Like I was constantly dizzy, constantly felt like I was going to pass out, constantly like what's wrong with me? And I'm learning pathologies. I'm learning all these diseases. And I'm like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And I just, I was just in such a, such a terrible state. And this is like when the pandemic's going on Mm -hmm. and it was just, I've never felt like that before. I've never not felt safe in my body. And so it was such a terrifying feeling for like, it didn't feel safe to be me, to be in my body. Cause my body was like, dying and like I didn't know how to care for it it was this whole Mm. terrible time and through all of that though I was trying to figure out you know what can I do to help me what do I do like this isn't something's not right everything this isn't how you're supposed to feel I've never felt like this before and I did find Reiki and I did go have a couple of sessions and I remember the first session I had she I think she was like up here kind of near my like crown and throat area and as soon as she came and like channeled the energy there there's this huge wave of energy that just like rode Mm. out through the whole bottom of my body it was the weirdest sensation and it was like my first unblocking I feel like and she was the one I think who really introduced me into the chakras because she held a pendulum over and showed me how they were essentially all blocked and um I really started doing more work with them especially starting with my root because I felt so unsafe right so that's like the basic one is like your root and I just did like all these root chakra meditations I listened to root chakra frequencies I listened to all of these different things to really feel safe again in my own body and it took I mean sometimes I still don't but that's where it all started for me at least was yeah Reiki and I don't understand so there's this thing that I see all the time with spiritual people and that is like root chakra difficulties and really I would say the first three which have to do with like the physical identity so it's the physical identity the emotional identity and then the ego identity like some of our most earthbound energies yeah Um, and I don't know what it is like of course spiritual people come to me for intuitive sessions and I don't get to see the other people who don't resonate that much with spirituality. So maybe I would find it in them too. Maybe it's more of a societal thing, but I see us all the time, like way over reliant on our upper chakras. That's why we're so like intuitive and sensitive and heart centered and, and et cetera, but we don't have that root groundedness. And I don't know if it's just like, we don't love physical reality. Like we want to go up to the astral planes. Like the the other thing is like, we hate how difficult the problems are here, like how solid they are. Like we would rather just beam ourselves into abundance, you know? And it's funny because you see the people who are more on the physical side of the spectrum who are all about um, work hard and get it done and force yourself and hustle and do it, Right. And then you have us, the spiritual people who are just like, believe in it, just be in the right mindset, just flow into it. And we need each other. Both groups of people need each other. We need more action and they need more like believe in yourself. And 
neither of us, neither group is very good at manifestation because you need every, the entire system for the manifestation. So, um, but yeah, that's what I see us doing is like, we cut ourselves off right around the solar plexus. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I see neurodivergent people doing <laughs> is energizing their actions from their solar plexus. So it is like an energy it is like an engine, but they don't go to their root for the actual energy. They're pulling it out of like their cellular networks. And it sounds like for you, you are blocking off every single chakra and asking it to do its own separate work. <laughs> You're like, my heart is not going to touch anything else. My crown is not going to, you know, like, like yeah. everything is all gated off. I've been told that about myself too. And I hate how messy it is when the chakras are flowing together. Like, I never learned how to integrate my energy and have it be like, Hey, it's okay to cry or like, it's okay to, to have uh, empathy or like everything became so segregated. Um, and I don't fully understand the mechanism of it, but I do, I do know it comes from trauma, of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely, oh, there's so many layers to it. Um, cause I am, like you said, I am very heart led. But there's also like a big block around the heart at the same time. So it's kind of. Do you find, so I recognized this about a year ago, which was fascinating to me. Do you find you're like having more issue with some chakras than others? Like the, I learned that every other chakra has like divine feminine or divine masculine. So the root is the divine feminine and then the sacral is the divine masculine and they, they alternate on up. And mm -hmm. the, the chakras that I have the most trouble with are always the divine feminine chakras. So the root, the solar plexus, the throat, and then the crown. So I'm curious if you have that, like it is one energy more difficult than you for you. Yeah, I actually, that's very interesting. I didn't realize, or I did not know that, but now that you just said that, yes, because I actually have a hard time with feminine and masculine energies in general because it's like, okay, I'm a feminine essence being, but I grew up, I mean, we all did in a, such a like patriarchal masculine focused society. And then my dad actually passed away when I was six. So I grew up with just my mom mm -hmm. and my mom, you know, she had to provide for us. So she had to really take on that like masculine energy, if you will, of doing everything and kind of over I can see it really clearly in her like I said it's so much easier to see in other people how she overemphasized her masculine energy and she's so logical and analytical and just you know how to survive how to get by so she did not have any of this feminine like let it come to me let me magnetize these opportunities like all that stuff and so I grew up so heavily over expressing my masculine energy so in the hustle in the grind in the work hard in this and that and then, you know, here I am now learning through this whole spiritual process about manifestation and being in your divine feminine. And it's like, oh, you just have to sit back and don't do anything. And then I'm like, well, what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and um, I do have a really hard time balancing those two energies. It's really challenging. Yeah, I tend to think my balance <laughs> issue comes from the early models in my life. So like, I had no father and no fatherly energy. And um, in some ways that was good because I just built it from people that I saw and people that I had around me. Like that was the masculine model that I got, not always healthy. Um, but the feminine 
energy that I got was really traumatized and was really like codependent and sort of, um, you know, wounded feminine. It's a uh, victim mentality. It is um, afraid to, uh, to put itself out there. Like there's, there's a whole list of um, sort of wounded feminine that are the um, sort of shadow aspects of the healthy energy. And mm-hmm. so what I find myself is like, I'm in a lot of wounded feminine energy. And when I, you look on the masculine side, yeah, I might not have a lot of masculine energy in me. Like I might, I was kind of missing that, but the masculine energy that I do have is pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've done a lot of like thinking about that because I have issues in my actual body, left to right side. I have a lot of issues with the left side of my body, which again is divine feminine. All of my chronic pain is in my left side of my body. Um, and I coming to understand, you know, connective tissue disorders. Um, I have a friend that has a connective tissue disorder and she's like, oh, um, it's probably related to neurodivergence. Like you might not be diagnosable, Mm -hmm. but you probably have something going on at a cellular level. I also have, um, when I was younger and thinner, I definitely had POTS. I don't know if you're allowed to not have it, if you have it when you're younger, but I don't experience like orthostatic hypotension anymore. Okay. Um, but like looking back at all that stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, all this stuff is connected and somehow it is connected to my spirituality and the way that my energy wants to express itself. Um, and it's funny, there are times in my life when I just get healing sort of through osmosis when I'm not particularly trying to do the healing, um, that it is just kind of coming to me. Um, and right now that's happening in relationships. My friend told me, she's like, you have all these synchronicities coming into your life around relationships, healing, and all you can do is focus on your career and like feeling stuck and stagnant. Right. And all, and, and like in the background, all these healing relationships are there and you don't even see them, you know? Yeah. No, I definitely, that's funny. Relationships is a funny thing because I, that is one aspect of my life that I have never tried. Like I have never actively dated. I've never sought anybody out, you know, like, oh, I really want to go find a boyfriend. Like I've just always gone through life being me. And I've actually always met anyone, everyone that I've ever had a romantic relationship with, I've met at work (laughs) and I just, I meet people and then we just connect and we vibe. And I think it is because it's not under the context of like dating, you know, like there's not this preconceived idea of like, hey, we're going to be together. Hey, I'm going to maybe like you or not like you or whatever. It's just like, we've just genuinely met in this kind of neutral environment of work or both just showing up, being people, you know, getting by. And we just, connect I just vibe with people in their energy and then I'm like oh hey we're gonna date now and (laughs) it's it's funny because yeah like I said I've literally I I see so many people around me just struggling so hard with dating and dating apps and all this stuff and I just have never ever put any effort into that aspect of my life and I've always been so lucky or fortunate if you will that I just meet these people and I have these like really good genuine connections where I just we really connect and I really, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of like what you said, when you heal, when you don't try, it's like, I'm not trying at all. And then these things just happen. So yeah, just, it seems like you have some energetic signature to you that just kind of attracts people to you. And like, 
we all have those invisible strengths. I tend to attribute them to, to human design, I but it could be just something else. I think everybody has just like little unique energy channels. Um, mm -hmm. One of mine is like having a lot of ideas. For whatever reason, I have a lot of ideas all the time and I don't do anything with them necessarily, but I've <laughs> met other people that don't have a lot of ideas and that's really cool. And uh, another one that I don't have that I wish that I had was like the ability to get people to gather around. So like to invite people to a party and have them show up. That has never been an energy for me. It's so frustrating because there's like so many communities that I want to create. Yeah. And I like I recognize now that to be effective, I have to go find somebody in my life that is a gathering person and then use their energy to like create the community. So yeah, there's a lot of like smart ways that we can figure out how to use our energy. And I, I tend to believe that we are all pieces of the whole. So like when you put us all together, we are puzzle pieces of this great like energy world. And we're meant to sort of help each other and develop each other and um, and develop society too. Yeah, no, I definitely resonate with that because creating a community is kind of what I want to do with my business as well. But it's funny. I don't know. I going into masculine and feminine too. I've really, so when I moved here to New York, I I'm from Southern California um, and I've never been to New York and I just moved here for a job and it was a complete culture shock, like complete, just, well, I don't know. I had no idea what was going on. Everything is so different. I didn't have my car. I didn't, the weather's different, the city, like so, so different. And I really had a hard time um, making friends when I got here, like at my job. It's, it's a really big hospital. Like I'm one of 17 PAs. So mm -hmm. it's like a huge, huge place. I've never worked anywhere so big. I've never worked anywhere, anywhere so overwhelming. Um, and I've never, I don't know if it's just cause I was in my comfort zone or, and I was thrown out of it or whatever, but usually when I work places, I find at least one person, usually a woman that I really connect with and we just become really good friends, like work friends. And we just really get each other. We really vibe. Like I've always just kind of had that. And I don't have that here. And I really, yeah. really, really struggled when I got here, just making friends in general, making any kind of connections with people. And then now a lot more time has passed. So I do have friends, but all of the friends that I've made are male for the mm. most part. Like I really don't have a close female friend here. And <sighs> I've always observed that about the culture of New York. I've never even been there, but I know when I talk to clients that are from there, it's like harder to vibe with them for whatever reason. So I wonder if it's like the, just the area. I don't know, but it's been very different and very, I mean, it's like, I don't know. You just kind of roll with it. I'm like, okay, well maybe I just needed more masculine energy in my life right now you know <laughs> yeah it could be it doesn't sound like you're someone who struggles with like female relationships there's definitely women that I know that are like I never make female friends like I'm always friends with the boys and that was definitely my story when I was younger because the girls were not safe like I felt like the girl like the girls were the ones who bullied me the girls were the ones who were like catty and I felt like I couldn't trust them yeah. So I definitely healed that like in my adult life, but sometimes, yeah, there's just not women. You're like, I'm not going to spend 
any extra time with you. I don't, that doesn't feel like a good use of my time. That's always my litmus test for friendship. And just like, eh, would I rather be alone right now? Because that means we don't need to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would almost always rather be alone. I'm such an introvert, but. um That's funny. You don't seem as much like that to me, I guess, because you're so personable, but eh, I guess it makes sense. It's funny because when I was a kid, I was painfully shy, like painfully, painfully shy. I like I had a hard time even ordering at restaurants and stuff. I was just very shy, quiet, reserved. I was always the kind of my mom would joke that I would just kind of stand around the outside and like watch everything for a little bit. And then I'd be like, OK, now it's OK for me to go in. Right. And um, it's actually funny because that's what my dog does nowadays. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's just a little me. But um. I really had to come out of my shell when I got my first job hosting at a restaurant because you have to talk to people and people are so mean to you when you are working in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to, that was really, I think what helped me to really come out of my shell and like, I don't know, become more personable and extroverted if you will. But when I initially meet people, I do kind of resort back to like little kid Jack where I just am like, I'm very mm-hmm. reserved. I don't volunteer information. I'm also like, it's very guarded until I'm like, okay, it's actually safe to talk to you. And then I will elaborate. And then people usually can't even believe the difference of how it was when I, you know, when they first met me and now like, I won't shut up, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I would say the first time I talked to you, it felt like you were more reserved. So that makes a lot of sense. And that's good for me to know too, just about people, um, because I'll, I'll almost always take that on like, oh, I'm not doing a good job or I'm not like, they're not resonating with what I'm saying. And so they're being more reserved. And if I think about that with the way that I interact with people too, I absolutely take that same sort of strategy where I become little girl and I become passive and reserved and like, I'm just watching and that for me comes from being rejected constantly because like my the way that I was when I was a younger younger kid would be like to be yeah just like I'm inviting you to things I'm gonna approach you I'm gonna do it and then like enough times of just getting shot down and losing my confidence I think that I really lost that but I I actually think I'm heading back towards that and Mm -hmm. I'm coming at it from a place of wisdom where I know how to handle rejection And uh, yeah, there's so many little, we get these little traumas that have to do with themes. And I think they're absolutely spiritual themes, like the spiritual theme of rejection, the spiritual theme of betrayal. There's the spiritual theme. My friend has this very specific one where like people will not put in enough effort to a relationship. So they'll like just show Like they'll send one word answers to texts or they'll just like not invite her to things that is important to her and she'll like take it super personally and it comes up over and over again where she'll like text me and be like, are they being like this? Like, I'm really scared. And it's totally like childhood patterning, childhood trauma. And it like, it makes me angry. It makes me sad that so much of our personalities was determined by being like eight years old or 11 years old or... 14 or whenever we received these messages that like parts of us were not okay you know not acceptable no yeah I've definitely really really recognized that within the past year I would say because I've gone through so much 
shadow work, whatever evaluation of myself. And I see, especially now learning about you know, being neurodivergent and stuff, I see how much I mask and how much I shape and change parts of myself to meet what other people expect of me and what other people like of me. And it doesn't even have to be a direct, you know, my mom was like, hey, stop being loud or something. It can be my mom and my aunt were complaining that my cousin was loud. So then my brain will be like, oh, they don't like it when people are loud. So I have to be quiet. Mm -hmm. That has shaped so much of my life. Now, the more I like dive deeper into myself and my actual authentic self, it's wild to me to Mm -hmm. see how much I've like put parts of me to the side or away because other people wouldn't like it or perceive it as good or if you will yeah our parents like upheld that for us too I think not only did the society uphold that for us but like my parents definitely like you're not allowed to be loud you're not allowed to be obnoxious in the way that like boys really were allowed to be obnoxious Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's better to be a woman or if it's better to be a man in this culture, a lot of the time I say it's better to be a woman because we're so much, we're allowed to have so much more emotional, like variability where all they are allowed to express is like pretty much anger and then pretend to be cool and stoic. Like those are the two that they get. We get more, but we also don't get like, um, you're not allowed to be like, uh, like uh expressive or forward or bossy right that's a, only a woman's word right um bossy they never would call a little boy bossy and I was a lot like that like I was like I'm here and I'm in charge and like yeah. I'm smarter than you and like I'm gonna call it out like I was very like that um and I've lost a lot of that and I guess I don't know reclaiming it has to do with also this healing from relationship trauma, because also I believe that I am not going to be attractive to men if I am bossy, if I am too, like, if I'm too anything, like too concentrated of a personality and, or I'll attract the wrong men. Right. Um, and there's just so much bullshit in that, um, so much societal crap and, not only do we hold that like in our psyche and our brain, but we hold it energetically in our body in different places in our body. And I have this shoulder that just won't relax. Like my left shoulder just won't relax. And I'm like, <laughs> your left shoulder too? Okay, we got to figure out what the, what theme lives in there. I got to look at some somatics. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it and then it creates back pain over time. And then you get a disc issue. And then like these blockages matter. Yes. And they are they are chakra blockages. Um, and the way that it's been described to me is like, um, it's a dam, right? If you dam something up, it's okay for a while, the water still flows, but over time, like sticks get caught in there and there's like, there's mud and trash. And like over the lifetime, this shoulder now becomes a hip and becomes a disc issue and becomes a neck problem, right? It's still in the shoulder, but the body can't unify. And I think that's like what we're talking around is like we're healing emotional shit that that also is stored in our body. No, 100%. I have delved or dived so deep into trauma releasing and healing within my body because I work as a pathologist assistant. So I see these like 
insane, crazy stage four cancers, just like people get their whole colons out, just all of this horrible, horrible stuff. And it literally all starts with, oh, this shoulder hurts because I never healed this childhood trauma. And then, like you said, it will just manifest out into whatever, pick a body part, pick whatever hurts in you. That's how cancer starts. Like it literally always just starts as energy. And then the longer you just ignore it or the more that you feed it with your inability to process it or continuing to feel that bad way, that's what dysregulates the cells. And then that's how disease, I mean, dis-ease, you're not allowing an ease. Like that's how it happens. It's not just, and we've been taught, oh, we've been taught by Western medicine that like cancer is just this terrible random thing that can just magically happen to you or not or whatever, or it's because of your sunscreen or it's because of your this or that. And all of these things cause cancer. And while yes, they do, but it's like, what is causing or smoking or alcohol or whatever? Like, what is it that's unhealed within you that's causing the smoking and even if you want to smoke that's fine but you you thinking that it's bad about you is what's going to create the you know what I mean like my aunt she recently had a nodule on her lung and went through this whole thing and she smoked since she was like 12 and now she keeps saying like oh I have to quit smoking I have to quit smoking and I'm like first of all if you are saying that you have to quit versus I want to quit it's not gonna work And second of all, the negative energy, like she feels so much shame and so much like guilt and this, all of these like ugly negative feelings about herself because she smokes. And that is what's going to cause the problem. It's not, I mean, I'm not saying smoking doesn't cause cancer, but like those add to it. Yeah, absolutely. You are describing my struggle with caffeine right Ah. now. And I started with caffeine because I started to get gut issues because I was really stressed out. And I blamed myself so hard for needing to lean on caffeine. I'm like, I don't like that I have to put a substance in my body to feel okay. Like this feels really gross to me. I'm really guilty about this. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that it was just a coping mechanism to deal with how stressed and tired and chronically fatigued I was. And I was like, oh, I have to stop this. This is bad for me. This is causing my gut issues. Right. And a few years later, like, oh my God, I did not have to come down on myself like that. Like, not only do I not want to stop drinking coffee, um, but probably the shame did more damage to my body than anything that I could have done with the caffeine. 100%. It's actually really funny that you brought that up because I love coffee. And back in college, I would say there was a brief time period where I tried to stop because I was like, oh, I'm addicted. You know, like if I don't drink coffee, I'll get a headache because of the caffeine. I was like, okay, I'll stop drinking coffee. And then it was horrendous. It was like horrible, horrible headaches, crazy withdrawal. So I was like, this sucks. But also I just love coffee. I love the flavor of it. I love, like, I don't really drink coffee because it gives me energy. I just, it's something to look forward to in the morning. It's a comfort. Happy. I love the food, you know, I love the flavor. And so long, long ago, I just accepted, like, I love coffee. I don't feel bad about it. And it's great. And yeah, a lot of times in spiritual communities, I will see people being like, oh, you need to give up caffeine because it's this and that, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know what? No, like coffee mm-hmm. is for me and it's not bad. It's not, you know, a problem. And recently, because I used to, I always have a cup in the morning and then I would usually, not every day, but for the most part, I have 
something in the afternoon, like, oh, go get an iced coffee or an iced latte, whatever. Basically for years and years and years now. And recently, just kind of out of nowhere due to various, like I was sick, I had COVID, whatever. I I didn't try. It just kind of happened. I just stopped having the afternoon coffee mm. and I stopped drinking espresso because in the morning I just have like, I have a grinder that does an auto drip. And the decrease in the caffeine, I really think is what allowed my uh, neurodivergence to really come out and become really apparent to me because I think because caffeine can also mimic Adderall in regards to like how it can help your brain Mm -hmm. and um, that's how I figured out that I have ADHD and all of this stuff and so I'm like oh okay but again I didn't try I didn't set out to you know, decrease my caffeine. It just kind of happened naturally. I just kind of was like, I'm not, I had whatever, like I said, illnesses, sickness, and it just kind of faded out for me. And I didn't stop drinking caffeine. I just had less. And then it was all within the right time for me to also be able to learn this about myself, to accept this about myself, to move through this, like this whole neurodivergent ADHD, like it all just unfolded the way it was supposed to unfold. Yeah, thank you. That is really healing for me to hear because I'm still in the midst of like letting go of that shame and understanding the mechanisms, why, and really understanding that it's a joyful thing for me too, that's something that I enjoy and it's something that I do not want to stop, right? It's yeah. more something that I feel I have to stop. Um, and you're absolutely right. Like that energy of I have to is like the most destructive, um, non-productive energy and so my work recently is like I'm just going to do my emotional work and we're just going to put this on the sidelines and enjoy it the way that we can the thing too is that if you try to shut something out of your life that you enjoy um this works as a really good metaphor for sexuality so when people snuff out parts of their sexuality that they enjoy that's something that they want to take part in it always comes out in these really weird addictive ways right Um, and so that's all that has always happened when I stuffed down my caffeine addiction is that it ended up, I ended up in more addiction, right. And in these cycles of sort of binging and then stopping and then binging, which is, it made it unhealthy. It made it not a, just something that could flow in me. So it's, it's so interesting. I think that in the future, we're going to treat addictions differently. We're already treating them more emotionally than we used to, but I think we're going to be a lot less punitive and much more like harm reduction-y about them. And addiction is something that's close to my heart because I I got clean and uh, clean and sober in the traditional way or the way that's existed for, you know, 40 or 50 years. That's the main way that people treat addiction. And it's funny because that way of treating addiction didn't work for my caffeine addiction. And um, so it's changed the way that I see addiction. Um, I love Gabor Mate. He talks about how, um, you know, traditionally we talk about addiction as a disease. And he says, well, addiction is solving a problem, right? It's solving a problem for you in your life emotionally. What disease solves a problem? Mm -hmm. None that we have ever heard of. Um, So yeah, that, that stuff is kind of like more to be revealed, but I really needed to hear um, what you were saying about, about accepting that addiction. I'm really glad that came up. Um, there's a spirit there with you. Um, 
feels like a grandmother energy to me. I just wanted to to throw that out there because it keeps like, hello, <laughs> this entire time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's funny that you brought up or addiction. Um, did you do AA? NA. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because addiction is very prevalent in my family. My mom has 35 years sober. Mm. Um, yeah, she was a hot mess and then she checked herself into rehab. My mom's, she's such an amazing, like rare anomaly of a person. She just like woke up one day and was like, I no, I'm over this. I hate this. I don't like mm. this anymore. Checked herself into rehab, stopped drinking cold turkey, which isn't mm. really recommended and never drank ever again. And she doesn't mm. have any other like crutch, you know, like sometimes people get sober and they drink diet Coke or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't have I don't understand her anyway so my mom and then my dad also was an alcoholic they actually met in AA that's funny my parents met in NA okay yeah synchronous. So, yeah they kind of lived two lives if you will like they had that and then they got sober and then they met got married and had me so there's that and then all four of my grandparents on like both sides all alcoholism crazy problems my aunt my whole childhood was kind of this unfolding of her problem with comboed with me getting older and understanding because you know when you're a kid you don't fully understand the dysfunction of it and so as I got older I like could see it more and it got worse and so she we checked her into rehab we had an intervention when I was like 16 so that was a whole thing too just there's a lot, a lot of addiction in my family and in my genes. And I don't drink. Mm. Um, I didn't drink till I turned 21. I experimented with it a little bit, you know, just going out with friends, going bar hopping and stuff. But I've never really enjoyed it, to be honest. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like how you feel the next day. And it's... I think honestly, one of the greatest gifts from God that I'm not into that because I don't think it would go well for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think it would go well for you either. Just because that alcoholism is kind of in your genes. Interesting thing too. I can't remember what book this was in, but it was talking about um, people who experience alcoholism in their family. Often food addiction will come in. So like sugar addictions, and it's literally the same addiction because alcohol <laughs> is sugar. Um, and it's a, it's fulfilling whatever the same like propensity is genetically. Um, and there's also certain addictions associated with certain chakras. So like root chakra is alcohol and sugar. Mm. Um, and it's the need that it's fulfilling. So it's a nurturing, right? It is a warm, loving thing. My uh, addiction, the caffeine addiction is a solar plexus addiction. It is let's get up and go. Let's do right. That's yeah, I have that. I do have that. <laughs> Yeah. And I can't remember what the sacral is associated with, but yeah, whatever emotional um, addictions, probably codependency and relationship. Addiction. I was going to say it's a creative and like, yeah, sexual energy. So probably some kind of relationship issue. Mm -hmm. yeah. There is so much interesting stuff to talk about the sacral chakra. I would love to do just a, a sacral chakra um, podcast because there is like, it is the chakra that is almost never attributed. Like it's attributed to very little. I feel like when we talk about the chakras, they're like, mm, it's sexuality and there's emotions in there, but there's like duality 
there is passion there is um there's so much to talk about with that chakra um that is where alexithymia is because it's related to our sensory experience of the world so our our five senses um yeah there's so much to, so much to talk about with the sacral um but yeah spiritual people we like it's the bottom three chakras and um working with all three of those and I always feel like when I heal one chakra another one is like it's it feels like whack-a-mole like mm-hmm. the, the blockage will start to come up in the next one and I'm like why can't you all just behave right I think you all just stay open and in alignment Stop. yes so yeah I think there's something to be said too though about healing and I think that spiritual people kind of we tend to put ourselves on this never-ending healing journey Mm-hmm. and you know it's like okay well I fix this so what do I get to fix now and there is a definite a need if you a need to accept yourself as your broken form accept yourself with your blockages accept yourself with your open and closed chakras because whatever is what's happening is supposed to be what's happening for you right now like if one's being overexpressed, if one's being blocked like that's for whatever reason, that's what it needs to be. So it's like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to heal and wanting to improve and get better. But at the same time, that can also become its own thing. So learning how to just let yourself be just as you are. (laughs) I know one of the things that spirit was talking to me about, um, because this period of time is so geared towards wanting to change our situations like the the energy of of right now is just like I'm not happy with where I'm at right yeah and they were like if you could just say I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be like that would be really good for your energy right now and I keep thinking about that like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be I'm exactly like I don't need to change this and yeah the the very drive to change something to change ourselves is I think where we put our sort of um our egos sometimes like we take our ego out of work and we take our ego out of like relationship identities and stuff and then we put it into like self-development so we're always just like the the ego shows up in in mysterious ways a little trickster it can in like developing a spiritual ego that can be a whole thing too you know where you're like oh you aren't spiritual and like that and it's like dude that's just your ego doing the same thing it's just using the thing that you thought was healing you to now separate you from other people so oh my gosh I know a guy who is so like he thinks of himself as being so spiritual and he actually is just like um judging everybody around around how spiritual they are and what type of spirituality they do and it's so funny like I think he's kind of on the beginning of his journey and he actually thinks of himself as being a mentor to other people and I'm kind of like, mm, I think that you, yeah, you, you don't really know where you're at and you may see in a few years. And it's funny, we never really know anything. It sucks too, as being like a content creator and you always look back on the stuff and you're like, wow, I've grown and changed, which means my old stuff is cringy now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but yeah, we're always, we're always learning. And I, I never would have, thought that we had so much in common you and I I guess there's a reason why we're attracted to certain people like we can feel somehow we can feel that their parents and grandparents had alcoholism isn't that weird that is funny because yeah I was thinking about it too that I mean I've always been really attracted to just your page and your energy but it doesn't 
particularly seem like me on paper that we'd have anything in common and I know we're in completely different states we've had different life experiences but I think a lot of that early programming is the same yeah yeah well awesome we've been talking for like an hour I how yeah. long is the podcast episode I don't know I make them up so this will be awesome. the longest one but this yeah this was awesome I'm so glad that we were able to connect and yeah whatever happens with your podcast like I think we were supposed to have this conversation no yeah this was great thank you so much yeah thank you for um booking me and being willing to have me on and um yeah definitely know any let me know anything that you're doing with um medical integrated with spirituality because it's like a big interest of mine yeah I'm gonna launch the course the plan is (laughs) Aries season because I'm an Aries since like prime nice. time so March 20th is when it's going to be open or when it's going to start so I'll have the launch like a week or two before that what are your other two placements because you feel still pretty emotional to me so I'm a fun dynamic person I'm an Aries sun I'm a Libra moon uh-huh. so I'm like constantly at war with myself and then I'm a Scorpio ascending Oh my gosh. If you were a man, I would be, you would be so attractive to me. Those are the two, <laughs> like Aries sun and Libra moon. I always find men. I'm like you. And they're like, these are my placements. The Scorpio rising. I think that's why we vibe because I'm Scorpio rising too. So okay, we both yeah. see the, the, the world in a very moody and emotional way. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool combination that you have. And yeah, if you were a man, I would be all over that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good to know. What are yours? Um, I am a Sag sun and Taurus moon and Scorpio rising. That's actually very interesting because I do attract a lot of Sagittarius in my life because Aries and Sagittarius go well together. Oh yeah. Yes. And then I also do attract a lot of Taurus energy in my life, whether it's moons or sun signs with people. So it's funny. I think I I, I show my Taurus mostly by like the way that I show up is very earthy, even though my I was going to say, I, I got a very earthy vibe from you. So I would have actually probably thought initially you were a Taurus sun, but yeah, I show up as, as the earth, I think a lot more than I feel, but my Taurus is also like, I'm very hoardy. Like I'm my, my uh, space is not cluttered necessarily, but I'm very like let's go shopping and get little trinkets and stuff. I love that. I love like glitter and like the way that things look. I like the aesthetics like the of the physical world. Um, but also I'm very concerned with like having a good job and like having security through the physical world, which is why you can see that turmoil in me of just like, I need to secure a good career, you know, like it's important to my identity. So yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with that Taurus energy. It's so stubborn. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do love Aries. I always love an Aries. And it's funny, like I'm attracted to all fire signs. Sagittarius always feels like very, um, they're so open-minded, which is what mm-hmm. I love about Sagittarius. Um, and then Leo is just like a little bit frivolous and a little bit shallow and a little bit too playful for me. Okay. Um, and then Aries is like very, like it can be more serious and it's just like, let's go. And I just love that let's go about Aries. So it's literally me so much. Yes. Oh it's very in charge too it's like I'm I'm not necessarily the boss but like I'm definitely going to be the leader here you know and I'm just like I've been looking for a leader you know I'm always like somebody lead me so yeah. Yeah. I know my Venus is in Aries too I have a lot of Aries placements what a is lot. the placement of Venus what does Venus rule 
uh your love and your relationships oh yeah I don't know what my Venus is yeah very cool well it's so nice to talk to you it was great to talk to you too thank you so much for taking this time okay um thank you guys so much for listening I hope you enjoyed that as much as I do um, again, her name's Elsie Brown. Her website is brownintuitive.com. If you want to book a reading with her, go there, or you can go on her TikTok. Her TikTok user is brown19, what is it? 1970, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. So if you want to follow her on TikTok, follow her content. I am officially going to launch Jack's Anatomy in March, March 20th. So if you're into that and you want to work with me and you want to learn about your body, you want to learn about yourself and make your whole life better, um, let's do it. So let's sign up. I'm looking for maybe 10 founding members. Um, you can sign up for the waitlist now. And once you're on the waitlist, you'll be automatically uh, informed when it actually launches and goes live. So go to jacksonatomy.com. J-A-C-K-K-S, jacksonatomy.com, and then click on the Jackson Anatomy course, and it'll take you to the waitlist page, and then you can sign up there. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys soon.